The Nifty Show. Welcome to The Nifty Show. Joel and Riles with you here, both gaming nerds from the word go and the transition from Web 2 to Web 3 isn't that difficult if you know what you're doing. And we're pleased to have us with, with us today, a gentleman who has made that leap. He is the founder and CEO of Bazooka tango he's teamed up with immutable on a new game that's coming out called Shardbound. and Bo is a former engineer with rockstar those are the guys who did grand theft auto series and one of my favorite games of all time red dead redemption Bo daily welcome sir to the nifty show <laughs> hey thanks so much joel it's great to be here that i'm not blowing smoke when i say red dead was my favorite gaming experience that I've had so much so that the story was so compelling. And usually, if you'll ask Riles, story is usually not my jam. I'm usually clicking through to get to the action. Isn't that right, Riles? Can vouch. He's he's always <laughs> just 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 let me start shooting things and killing people. Yeah, and, yeah, that and... was that was exciting, man. Just to, we we spent a lot of time working on the sort of Red Dead Revolver, which I this were like. Uh, turned out to be, I guess, the, the the prequel. But like, you know, we we really wanted to make Grand Theft Horse, and uh, we're excited to sort of get the opportunity to see that project come together. Well, you succeeded. Why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit more of your background? How did you get into creating games? And you know, uh, are you the coder guy? Or are you a graphic engineer? Maybe <laughs> tell us a little bit more about what. Yeah, you're sure, doing. sure. I mean, so I've been in games for. 20 something years at this point um first job out of school was at, at rockstar actually at the time it was angel studios it was kind of uh they had done uh, recently come off of doing like the playstation launch title smugglers run and midnight club there are a couple of franchises there and uh so red dead revolver at the time was a capcom uh project through through angel studios and that was during the period effectively where rockstar bought them and uh and so we became you know rockstar san diego and that was just an incredible place you know for a for first you know kid out of school to be to be working on gameplay stuff and so you know, i was very lucky to, to work on that ended up finding my way from there into uh sort of engineering at an mmo company this was uh john romero uh of of quake you know doom and quake fame um uh, had a had a his own sort of MMO startup in the kind of early aughts and got to work on that team and that turned into a very weird like tangential thing where I ended up in business corporate development licensing international sales across you know what what then ended up being about seven MMOs and and you know really got to see sort of like the birth of free to play right like the initial kind of premise of the company was like everyone we're we're going to take on WoW and like really you know get, stick it to them but um you know the, the world changed uh and it was a really great opportunity to see um a new business model a new paradigm new ways of interacting with players travel to asia and see how you know very core games were embracing this new thing called microtransactions and, and then to come back here to to the west and see like you know that start to happen in facebook and like very casual games in like a very different way um and but then kind of witness the journey that players had to go through to like understand MTX. And then, um, so, you know, had that journey left there to start a company called super evil Megacorp, where we built a game called Vainglory that ended up being sort of, uh, we launched Vainglory off the Apple worldwide developer conference stage in 2014. And that turned into sort of like the world's premier mobile esport. um, at a time where like Candy Crush was how mobile games work were. So, you know, no stranger to like bringing core gamers through, uh, through the, through the portal <laughs> in, in, in a sense. And, uh, 
and really, um, you know, kind of getting, uh, yeah, yeah, getting getting folks, you know, engaging in deep core games uh, in ways that they never really sort of anticipated. And so, um, you know, when we recognized that there was an opportunity to build, you know, thousand hour core gamers games uh, and to really try to pioneer Web3 uh, in a similar way to what we did with mobile, you know, it was kind of a no brainer for us. Like there's a lot of blue ocean design space and a lot of uh, fights to be picked around, you know, can this work? Will it work? How, how does it make life better for gamers? Um, and we're you know excited to be able to try to answer some of those questions. So as an aside, Super Evil Megacorp was always my favorite name of all time <laughs> for a, a development studio. But uh, besides that, what exactly, what potential uh, did you see in Web3 that convinced you to make the jump and partner with Immutable on your latest project before we get into that? Um, I mean, part of it may just be a, like a broken personality and that maybe I'm just a little too contrarian. But whenever I see people say, hey, you can't do something great on XYZ platform, it really like it gets me thinking like, really, like you can't do it or you just haven't seen it before. And I think more often that people's sort of reality is kind of circumscribed by what they're used to seeing. And, and that becomes kind of, you know, to their mind, the, the realm of what's possible. Uh, and so, you know, it's as a as an entrepreneur, as someone who, who, you know, is going to, you know, succeed by doing things that the bigger incumbent companies aren't going to take on. That's really tantalizing. Um, but I think there are a couple of like really obvious, you know, I mean, the, the, the sort of like most obvious use cases, you know what, like gamers actually hate Web2 monetization, too. Right. Like, let's not forget that there's. Um, you know, legislation being passed all over the world to rein in loot boxes and dark patterns and in sort of, uh, you know, uh, what has become sort of like the, the main, you know, m mobile monetization or, or free to play monetization model. And that's not particularly gamer friendly. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a there's an opportunity here to really um, fix some of that um, by giving players the ability to control their own economy and and um you know sell things back if it doesn't work out for them right like we're building this first game that we're shipping again is uh is shardbound and that's a ccg tactics game so think magic the gathering meets final fantasy tactics um a lot of deck building a lot of experimentation a lot of dialing in your own personality and encoding that in your deck right which is you know in a lot of ways sort of um harkens back to, you know, great gaming experiences that we all had as teenagers sitting around the kitchen table on Friday night. Um, <clears throat> but sort of that ability to like craft that deck deliberately into the style that you want to play um, and to take and to, and to take that on the road. Like, I think that's really powerful. But then when you realize that in web two, if you did that and you didn't like a purple deck, like it was meta, but it wasn't for you. Um, you're kind of SOL, right? Uh, we're here, you know, sell it back, get, you know, maybe you only get, maybe you spend 20 bucks on it and you get 10 back, but you know, that's a, that's a better experience for gamers. And I think gamers are, are definitely going to get that. And then in yeah. the very long term, like we want to build games that last forever. Right. Uh, and so, you know, this idea that when you write stuff to the blockchain, it's there, it's permanent, right? The databases are going to blink out of existence because games as a service is, is hard. Right. And if the game doesn't end up being profitable, there's only a matter of time before, you know, before that sunsets and frankly even games like you know wow and league of legends someday those servers are going to turn off and so you know how do you build a future where you know maybe 30 years from now someone wants to play shardbound again and we've evolved the tech into a place where 
they can do that and you know spin up a server you know with a with a shard bound token and, and have it make sense for everybody so only it's never a private server anymore it's public right because if right, you're pulling right. the data i mean i remember uh you know riles and i played city of heroes when it mm-hmm. was the thing and then one day it's it's gone and now yeah. you have to go to a private server to play and, it and i've been on the i've been on the other side of that like a couple of times and it, it always sucks to to have to sunset a game right but it's just a reality of a reality of the business and you know if you can if you can start to architect things in a better way you know it may not be something that we're seeing this year or next year but i do think that you know over the long term DAOs are going to take over ownership of games that have kind of run their run their course and you know they're going to be sort of more interesting ways to support that you know the the player journey i'm going to say now that wow will never be sunset that somehow a transition will take place um that there's just too many people even now i was looking at a video about you know who's got the most subscribers for an mmorpg and wow is still at the top which is still one of the most played games in the world like 20 something years on uh, and, and that's actually, I take a lot of it. I take a lot of, um, uh, <laughs> definitely a lot of inspiration from, from wow. I mean, I, I spent 10 years in MMOs and, you know, I, I think we learned that it's foolish to try to build a game at that scale and to try to market it to everything, but, but they really were the first metaverse, right? It was to some people, a fishing game or a crafting game and to other people, a PVP battleground or a, a rating or questing game. Um, but that sort of social, the social fabric that comes out of the all those different people being economically interdependent is what created this you know twenty year plus franchise. And so, in in a, in a, in a way, you know what, what I hope that we see and that we're able to build off the back of you know shardbound tactics, but then also you know twenty more years of development building special experiences that maybe connect in interesting ways that we've never seen before in Web two. Um, that we can build something of the scale of wow that has that sort of social connectivity and that stickiness to, 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 to be a forever game. I'd like to go into the, the choice of this hybrid model between a CCG and a, a, as you say, tactics based game, because of course the, the CCG market is, is very saturated and putting a twist on it with a tactics genre blend uh, is certainly original. Historically, that blend has been pretty challenged. Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Duelist, which was released a few years ago, um, and that was that was shut down relatively quickly. So, what made you decide to go for this blend of genres and target this market niche? And how do you think Shardbound is going to come out with the longevity to live forever? Um, that's a great question. I mean. The fact that we all remember Duelist, I think, is is actually kind of a counterpoint, right? Like these, you know, a lot of games just get forgotten. Well, I want to cut you off right there, right? Because there was there was a very specific reason for why Duelist is so widely remembered. I would contend. I would say it was the exceptional quality of pixel art and animation, right? That was one of a kind. Yeah, I mean, it it, it certainly had a distinctive look and feel, but there were you know other other games of the era that were. Um, and whose names I can't I can't bring to mind that that kind of had a had a similar kind of look and feel. So I think it matters, you know, certainly. And I think look and feel matters. And I think that you know Shardbound is playing in a space where it is beautiful, right? I mean, it is sort of wow style in terms of um, you know being a, a, a an IP that looks lived in, right? That looks um, uh, 
you know, looks like these cultures have been around for a thousand years and, you know, it's pretty interesting from that perspective. So you know, I think that, you know, that that's, that's part of it, but you know, ultimately it's got to come down to gameplay. And I think in, in a lot of ways, it's got to come down to building a game that is more spectatable, more interesting to watch and to create content for, um, and to, and to, to really sort of, you know, kind of carve out our own space, right? I, you know, I definitely think that the sort of tactics um, angle, you know, sets us apart a little bit, but it also, you know, potentially opens us up to kind of a, a, a work, like a very different design space than your sort of like classic CCGs. Um, and, you know, those are, those are the things that we're kind of really most interested in exploring and sort of pushing the boundaries of now. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at the teaser trailer. It's about a minute here for Shardbound and experience what it is you guys are creating. So one of the things that I notice about the Shardbound site is that this is this is a Web3 game. It's NFT integrated, but there is no language on the entire homepage that would suggest that that is the case. Is that a question? That's, that's, <laughs> that's an, an observation. observation that's worth making. It, it is. And in that observation, there's the, you know, the question of how is this, you know, Web3 so that gamers traditional gamers won't hate it you know as riles observed not having nft language on the page is a great start yeah i mean you know i i think i think the term you know the the sort of nft term really kind of came into the vernacular sort of meaning uh, meaning a very specific thing right and I, I i think nft is more associated with like avatar profile pics and things like that and, and that's really not you know not what this is about this is about you know collecting units and owning them and doing interesting things with them and hopefully having those continue to um, provide utility for, for, for a long time for players. So, um, you know, my, my general sense is like, I think three, we're, we're at kind of a weird moment in history here where because of, you know, just in some ways, you know, products that maybe weren't what they should be or weren't really aligned for gamers that, that the technology has sort of taken on, the stink of the past generation of, of products. Um, and, you know, for us, it's not really about technology. It's about experience, right? It's about what are the, what are the things that gamers can, you know, do now that they never even really thought was possible or that um, would be prohibitively, you know, difficult or expensive to build. Um, you know, I think the technology is, you know, like the product is best when the technology sort of recedes into the background. So, you know, I think, the fact that you know we are relying on blockchain te 
chain technology to power certain you know features of the game is an important technical distinction but i don't know that it necessarily is like i mean it doesn't define what the game is and it's insert so so that technology choice is a choice in service of the game of the game experience and sort of what what the you know player journey uh should be over you know over their lifetime of playing the game now, while the player isn't sort of uh, doesn't have all of that force down their throat in the way that previous play to earn or, or NFT integrated games have done, uh, while that may be the case, how do you intend to sort of mitigate or, or tackle the technological barrier to entry that comes with the need to own a wallet to manage assets externally and so on and so forth? Yeah, I mean, this is where I'm super excited to be partnered with Immutable. Um, they've got a lot of experience building in the space and they have some products uh, designed specifically to make that feel like a very seamless experience, uh, experience for, for players. So, you know, our hope is that and is that we get to a place pretty quickly where, you know, even when players are interacting with things that are on the blockchain and, you know, and, and sort of backed by NF, NFTs and, and crypto uh, technology like that, that's still that that's as seamless an experience as it can be. I think the challenges really are less about. Um, UX that you can build into the game and at this moment in time more about where platforms are and where they're going to be in terms of um, you know the hurdles that they want to put up what's allowed to be integrated into the game and how uh, and so you know we're, we're we're looking very closely at you know how can we craft an experience that is seamless for players to get into on on steam or iOS down you know and uh, soon right and like be on, be on on the different platforms even that those that might be a little bit strict and still kind of create an on-ramp um, that will, you know, eventually allow players to interact in cool in different ways, um, but really meet them where they are, right? Because, again, to your point, like, not everyone's ready for that, you know, from a player perspective, not everyone's ready from that, for that for, from a platform perspective. But, you know, I think if we, you know, look two years into the future, we're going to see a pretty different uh, set of market dynamics. And we, we want to be where the skating to where the puck's going, so to speak. So what are the elements of ownership uh, in Shardbound? Is it, uh, is it just the cards? Is it skins? Um, is there a currency? Like what exactly will people be uh, being able to say that is theirs, which they could then use, trade, or sell on a secondary marketplace? Yeah, so, so it, it's the units. Um, there's some you know, talk about future features around cosmetics, cosmetic upgrades, t- uh, you know, other other primitives that we might bring in. But, you know, I, I'd say, you know, really think of it as that deck that you're building is something that you have full, you know, can have full control over in the Web3 sphere. Um, and so if you're if you're willing to sort of take your 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 cards, upgrade them, do, you know, progress them in such a way and get in and, and take ownership of them as NFTs, then that opens up a, a different style of play. Right. Which then becomes interesting, um, you know, for high-end competitive play it becomes interesting for sort of a lot of reasons that that we can kind of um communicate to players that isn't you know line goes up right because that's just not the conversation that i think anyone wants to have anymore so i I have another sort of tangential question normally i wouldn't go this deep but you're you're demonstrating uh, an exceptional level of expertise even for guests uh, on the show so how do you intend to tackle anything that would typically govern the ability of a user to access the software because you know what's been standard in the past has been an end user license agreement 
And basically all services are getting provided with the clause that service can be revoked in some sense. And typically that comes about as the need to respond to bad actors or something adjacent to that. So what, what are your thoughts on that sort of issue? Wow, that's a, that's a deep question. Um, uh, and, and, and a pretty broad one, right? So, you know, yes. I, I think definitely, you know, um, you know, there, there is and will be even, even just to be on the stores, there has to be kind of a end user license agreement, privacy policy. Um, you know, we are not yet into the future where, um, you know, our servers are like you drop in a Bitcoin or some or, 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 or uh, yeah, you know, our own token, which doesn't even exist, right? Like, and can spin up your own servers. Like, you know, that's not the problem that we're, we're solving today. Um, so, you know, we will be constrained in some ways by, you know, kind of the web two web two model, but, um, you know, it's a, a journey of a thousand steps, right? Beginning with, with the first one. And so, you know, we think we'll, we think there are a lot of opportunities to, to decentralize and create more permanent structures. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think, I think the, it's going to take some time for the technology to be there, the, the partnerships to be there. Um, but, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, because we are building on the uh, sort of uh, immutable polygon ZK EVM, this is a, you know, ETH, you know, sort of a Ethereum-based, uh, you know, VM-compatible um, place to be building, which gives us a lot of possibilities in terms of interoperability and and um, connectivity with other tools. So, you know, we think that there are going to be lots of ways that we can kind of uh, start to build towards a more permanent, more durable future for players. Um, but you know, we're not we're, we're not there yet. I feel like it's definitely, you know, a step in the right direction. I'm curious from uh, your own personal opinion as we get ready to uh, close out, who are you admiring in the the Web3 game space? When you look and see what's being done out there, who do you think is doing it right? Oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble for not calling out, like, all my, like, co-founder friends here. Um, I mean, I, no, I want to know how you really feel. What do you really yeah. like? This isn't a commercial. No, no, for sure. Um, but, but you know, I, I think... I think there are a lot of people tackling things in, in, in different ways. Right. Uh, that, that I, that I appreciate. So, you know, I think, um, you know, for sort of like scope and scale of vision, you know, I'm, I'm always, you know, I, I think immutable, I'm sorry. I think Illuvium is doing sort of a great job of, you know, being open, building a community, having what looks to be a, you know, pretty high quality project with clearly a lot of ambition. Right. And I think that's the direction that we all kind of need to be, to be pointed uh, you know, I think, um, you know, in terms of sort of like big vision and interoperability, uh, uh, Petaverse is, uh, is, is, is pretty interesting, right? Like, how do you think about interoperability across lots of different types of games, different genres, different everything? Like, I think that's super interesting. I Again, just hate the name. I just hate the name <laughs> Petaverse. It just doesn't sound right. There's yeah. just, uh, there's got to be uh, another way. Um, you know, my, my, my friend Dennis at, at 5 by 5 Gaming is like, just really focused on building, you know, good quality, you know, and, 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 and trying to like reach, you know, markets that, that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you know, like don't have, you know, quite, quite, uh, as, as, you know, bigger established kind of gaming markets. So I, I think there's a lot of people doing, you know, taking slightly different, uh, perspective, uh, perspectives on, on how you build to get there. But, um, you know, and, and at the center of it, like, you know, you know, not to not to be too much of a shill, but, you know, like Immutable has been an incredible partner. And I think that the way that they think about building for the long term um, has been really refreshing to me. Because right? like I came in as a Web2 dev, like, 
not sure that, you know, like, I mean, my ambitions go way beyond shardbound tactics, right? I want to be building for the 20 year horizon and bringing, you know, 100 million core gamers into Web3. It's really not about like plus plusing Gods Unchained or like, you know, whatever sort of like the current current uh, batches. So, you know, that really requires a, patient, a partner that's going to be patient, that's going to do the right things for, you know, core gamers. Um, and, you know, the, the, te- the team, the folks that we're working with at Immutable, they're like, you know, veterans from Riot and, you know, like like people who see the world in the, in the same way and, uh, you know, are, I think, a little bit less interested in sort of short term profit taking and rent taking, which sort of dominated the first couple generations and really focused on the long term. Like, you know, what does this look like when you have, you know, 100 million gamers, 200 million gamers coming into Web3 and what are the experiences and how are they different from you know, kind of the, the financialization that, that dominated sort of that first uh, first couple generations of Web3 games. I'm sure as Riles would say, we hope that people are playing and having a good time, right? Because that's right. the point of games. <laughs> that's the whole reason we're here. Yeah. No, that, uh, Riles, uh, that, that answer gave me a lot of optimism for the, yeah. uh, for the future here. It, you it, know, yeah. what, what I'll say is that like, no one gets into games to make money. Certainly not anyone of, 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 of my age, right? Like if you wanna, if you're coming out of school and you got a computer science degree, like go into iBanking or something if you wanna, if you wanna make a bunch of money, right? Like move to New York, do that thing. You're gonna, you're gonna have a better time of it. You get into games because it's a passion and you're a gamer and you wanna create those kind of experiences for, for other people. And so, you know, now the unfortunate side effect is in order to do that, it requires money, right? You need you, you need to make money in order to be able to continue making games and to support servers and, and all that. Um, and and I think that over time, you know, I think again, what we're seeing here is a little bit of an anomaly where, you know, I, I think financial people started making games without understanding sort of what games were or who gamers were. Uh, and I think that that's going to be corrected like really soon. Like we'll we'll see, you know, in the next year or two, we'll see games come out that are um, games that just happen to be Web three as opposed to like. Yeah, financial tools. Shardbound.com, the website, and you can go there now. Click secure your playable card. I guess if you put a, an email address in here, then you're going to get something special, your first um, playable NFT from the game. And, uh, Bo, we wish you the uh, the very best with it. Good yeah, luck. Yeah, thanks so much. Pre-register, hit up the socials, join, join us on Discord. Uh, looking forward to getting everyone's feedback as we go through beta and, and up to the live launch later this year awesome hang out for just a bit my friend and uh, riles this is the uh the type of stuff that you um i know that you breathe for right Especially, i love i love hearing optimism come from you yeah it's it's been hard it, there's been a lot of reason to express cynicism um given the the sort of universality of that financially oriented mindset that's that's been behind the development of quote unquote games on web three for so long mm-hmm. uh but no you know this this is exactly what i want to see exactly why i'm building my own games for this purpose and i love hearing it from somebody on the inside in charge of another project absolutely we appreciate you guys watching and or listening would also appreciate your five star reviews if you got a minute to go give us one of those and until next time keep it nifty Looking into the future, what do we see? It's lined with digital collectibles, we call them NFTs. Games, trading cards, digital art, and those crypto kitties. Joel and Riles are the hosts you'll know. Joel and Riles say this won't blow. They're locked and loaded, so ready, set, go! It's the nifty, really kind of spiffy. 
The Nifty Show.